0: This is Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Thanks for being with us on another week where we bring you a great in-depth interview with one of the leading transit executives in America. Leslie Richards, General Manager of the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority or SEPTA runs the transit system in the Philadelphia area. We have a great 30 minute interview with her today talking a lot about her career path, how she got to where she's at, how they have recovered from the pandemic Uh, what their strategic plan is, and their efforts to expand equity and inclusion in all that they do. And then we always like to end with a lightning round of fun questions about what books she's reading, music she's listening to, hobbies, pets. I think you'll really enjoy this in-depth interview with the leader of uh, the nation's six largest transit systems, SEPTA in Philadelphia, Leslie Richards.
1: What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort.
0: Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. And today we're excited to bring you another long form interview with one of the nation's leading transit executives, Leslie Richards, general manager of the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority, commonly known as SEPTA. She talks to me today from her office in downtown Philadelphia. Leslie, thanks so much for being with us today on the podcast.
1: Happy to be here, Paul.
0: Uh, Leslie has been, how long have you been on the job now there as CEO of the year, A right? little
1: over the year, a year. Yeah. I started in January 2020.
0: What a year. To be thrown into leading one of the nation's biggest transit systems.
1: Yes, I, I'm often uh, I often get comments on my timing. Uh, so yeah, uh, the <laughs> so, good news uh, is I got to uh, you know meet my, our senior team and get out to our facilities for almost a full two months before oh, yeah. uh, the world started to change. So at least I got okay. to start there. Tell us a little bit
0: about your background and history. I know prior to this, you were secretary of transportation for the state. But if you don't mind. Take us back all the way and show us how you got here and the path. I think, you know, most of our listeners are in the transportation industry and most have aspirations to move up. And so they like um, uh, seeing other career paths. So tell us about your career path, Leslie.
1: Sure. So I think like a lot of people who are in transportation, you know, I fell into the transportation industry, was always interested in working with communities. I was always fascinated by how how they operated, what made some communities work better than others. Uh, always interested in quality of life issues. And so as an undergrad, I studied urban studies and economics. Uh, I then went on to get a master's in regional planning where uh, I got very interested in environmental issues, particularly water and air issues. I worked for uh, the EPA for a little while in their water division as well as their air quality division. It was there that I got introduced to emissions and uh, some of the air quality work related to transportation. Uh, I then uh, worked for our city planning commission here in Philadelphia for a little bit, the Central Philadelphia Development Corporation. And uh, then I uh, left the workforce for eight years. I was a stay-at-home mom. I have three children. And uh, for eight years... um, I actually worked very hard. I just didn't get paid very well when it comes to money. Got paid in other ways, but uh, sure. not yeah. not when it comes to a salary. Uh, then I re-entered uh, the workforce, uh, working part-time for a while. Worked for an environmental engineering firm. And it just so, uh, as, as luck would have it, I interviewed uh, with them. Um, and uh, they had just won the largest transportation project in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And that was the I-95 Interchange uh, Turnpike. Uh, connection. And uh, that was the last remaining link of I-95 from Florida to Maine. And it happened to be in Ben Salem Township, Pennsylvania. And so we wanted to build that last uh, that last interchange, very large project, uh, over $2 billion project. And they needed someone to lead their public involvement and help with uh, acquisition and right away uh, acquisition as well as property acquisition issues. And so I was happy to be back at work and and jumped in. And it was really that project that showed me how much transportation can add to um, the economic development of a region, um, can hurt or help neighborhoods, uh, can really um, impact um, people at their business levels, at at their, you know, the communities they choose to raise their families in really enjoyed those conversations and then uh, built up a uh, public involvement department for them. there. Uh, managed many other projects, worked for a civil engineering firm for a little bit. And I, at the same time, while I was home uh, as a stay-at-home mom, I got involved with my community and I helped with our first township day. I always say my first transportation project was um, running the pony rides at our township uh, day. And uh, I did pretty well. And, um, and just really enjoyed being part of the community that way. You got that, bucked off the horse? No one, no, everyone was safe. Everyone was that's safe. Right. All of the all of the, the, the horse uh, extras were cleaned up properly okay, off of right. the baseball field that we used. So it was very successful. Lots of smiling young faces in my neighborhood. Uh, but from there, I, I was asked to join uh, our park and rec board. I ended up chairing our board when we did our first um, master plan of all the parks, really looking at them as a network. Then... Uh, I joined our planning commission uh, and then to my surprise was asked if I'd be interested in running for local office, our township supervisor uh, position. And while I had always presented to the supervisors, I really had never had an interest in being on the board of supervisors um, after going back and forth for a while, which is pretty typical Um you know, I decided to run. And uh, at that time, there's five supervisors at that time, three were running, Uh, we had the chance uh, to make a majority. Um, No surprise, since I served under a Democratic governor, I'm a Democrat. And I live in a majority Republican township. And uh, we thought that if we could take all three seats, you know, we would win uh, the majority for the first time in our township in a very, very long time. So we knocked on a lot of doors. Uh, we spoke to our neighbors, and to our surprise, as well as the townships, we won all three seats. And uh, so that was very exciting. It uh, we good, can, it? Yeah, yeah, it's nice to be in the majority. That's what I have to say. Yeah. And uh, so we did a lot of interesting things uh, with my background. We did a lot of stormwater projects, open space preservation, um, as well as economic development, obviously roads and bridges, and uh, and. As we move forward, we needed to do some uh, farmland preservation. And I went in front of the county board of commissioners and I thought, wow, there's a job where you get to make all of these, you know, important decisions that impact our quality of life. You get paid for it. And it's during the day because the uh, local elected stuff. I'm working part time at the environmental engineering firm. I have the three young kids at home. You know, my husband's been traveling a lot for his work. And, uh, you know, you fit it in where you can. And then I thought, uh, well, this, this could be an interesting opportunity. So again, mimicking my township role, uh, lived in a majority at the time, Republican County. This would be the first time that we could take over the, uh, the majority. So, you know, my profile was interesting to the county party of what we had done and how we did it. Um, and uh, long story short, we won and we were the first Democratic majority in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania <clears throat> in over 140 years. And so that was very exciting. Uh, What I did not know about politics was that that's kind of a big deal in Pennsylvania, uh, the third largest county, over 800,000 residents. And so when you do things, um, you get the attention that Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and and Montgomery County get. And uh, so drew some attention. I got to go to the White House. um, I also was one of the few women in elected office at that time uh, in the area. And, uh, I met a man, uh, a, a businessman and central PA Tom Wolf uh, at the time. And we started a relationship. He was very supportive of what we were doing. I let him know how we were consolidating departments, how we were moving forward. The things that we own went back to our core mission of what a County should do making difficult decisions. Uh, he runs for governor and, and looking, uh, to fill his, um, To fill uh, his support network and his cabinet um, in our conversations, obviously thrilled uh, that I got to be his uh, secretary of transportation. I I got to be the first female uh, to fulfill that role as well. And uh, so we got to move forward on a lot of diversity and uh, inclusion initiatives, as well as making sure that we had a transportation system, you know, for the 21st century and move forward how we worked with our communities and, uh, and PennDOT connects and changed a few things there. Uh, so that was wonderful. I also got to be the first female chair of the Turnpike Commission here uh, in Pennsylvania, And that's where I really got to know the chairman of the SEPTA Board, who is a Pennsylvania Turnpike commissioner. We worked through a lot of very difficult issues, contentious issues at the Turnpike, um, financial difficult issues. And uh, I'm always embarrassed to say I didn't see the opportunity, but um, back in uh, April of 2019, after a board meeting, he asked if I'd be interested in coming back uh, to my home, which is is Southeastern Pennsylvania and uh, leading the sixth largest transit agency in the country. And so we started to talk and I realized uh, the opportunities uh, to work with our communities on the ground to really help uh, particularly communities of color, disadvantaged neighborhoods, making sure that they had opportunities, making sure that we could get them to opportunities, to jobs, help their quality of life. Um, it really seemed like a, a, a wonderful opportunity for me when I was excited about one that, um, you know, my past experience uh, would be really helpful. And like I said, I was just embarrassed. I didn't see that opportunity ahead of me, but I'm glad that he did. And so here I am.
0: It's wonderful. What a great story. Mm-hmm. What a great career. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Um, and you're at a system which is called a legacy system. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't understand what that means. Tell us what that means to be at a legacy system.
1: We're old is what it means. <laughs> we're, we're very old. And as, as all of us get older, um, you know, we realize, myself obviously included, We need a lot of TLC. Um, uh, Parts of our, some of our vehicles uh, are from the 1940s. Uh, Parts of our system designed in the 20s, um, before before cars were even widely used. Right, a lot of our rail systems, our trolleys, our subways. We're very fortunate. Uh, There are transit agencies out west right now that are spending billions of dollars to get a system that is a fraction of what we have here in uh, in the greater Philadelphia area because it was part of... Uh, of how, uh, you know, businesses developed and stuff for a very long time. Now, SEPTA is not that old. Uh, We purchased different pieces of systems. And so, you know, the trolleys came from one system and some of our rail lines from another. And uh, so it's been cobbled together uh, to what is now SEPTA, the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation uh, Authority. And uh, so legacy systems, you know, we, we have, we're, um, you know, restrained in many ways, um, just that, you know, uh, we, we do need a lot of maintenance. We need to have a lot of state of good repair. Um, And when we don't maintain them or have the funding and the resources to do that, you know, you fall behind. And uh, so, Again, uh, we, are, we are very hopeful um, that some capital money uh, will be flowing to transit agencies, uh, as has been discussed right now with the administration. And boy, could we use that money. And it, even in a conversation with FTA, when they asked, what would we do if certain money um, amounts of money came through? Even, even those at the FTA said, wow, you're really ready to spend it. And I said, we are ready. And, uh, you know, we have so many projects that are ready to go. And truly the only thing holding us back is uh, the funding dollars. Our capital budget, which is also a big challenge for us, is half of what the other legacies, legacy systems have. And so every year we fall further behind. So Chicago and Boston, uh, Wamada and D.C., they all have capital budgets, uh, over a billion dollars. And here we, we barely have $700 million. Uh, that we have uh, every year. And so it's a, it's a tough, it's it, it, you know, it's tough to keep up with all of those state of the repair projects.
0: Tell us about the scope of what SEPTA, you know, the modes you operate, uh, budget, employees, just kind of give us the inside baseball take on what is SEPTA.
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And so um, we're, we're very proud uh, of all the modes that we do have here. And so, um, as you said, uh, we are a multimodal legacy system. Uh, we were created by the PA State Legislature in 1964. That's when all of the different systems came together under SEPTA. As you mentioned, we are the sixth largest in the United States. Uh, before the pandemic, uh, we were carrying a million uh, riders every day. And uh, we have 2,800 vehicles, 9,500 employees, operating budget of $1.4 billion and a capital budget right now of just under 700 million, around 675. Uh, We have trolleys, we have buses, uh, we have subways, uh, and we also have regional rail. Uh, We also have uh, what we call trackless trolleys uh, so that they are uh, electrified, so they have uh, catenary uh, uh, connections above, but they are buses below. So we are one of the only uh, systems that have that as well. And again, that's part of our legacy inheritance um, of how we were built. And just to remind the listeners, something that's interesting, I think, about our system is because uh, our roadways were built, you know, for horses and carriages with Philadelphia being one of the older cities. Um, you know, our buses have to uh, navigate some very tight and historic um, alignments, uh, which make, uh, you know, make everything else uh, extra challenging.
0: I was telling Kelly uh, prior to you coming on uh, that when I was at MTA, we were trying to work with SEPTA to close that last 20 mile gap of our commuter rail service. Of course, now commuter rail has been hurt the most out of all the transit modes. Tell us a little bit about that impact of COVID on your various modes, And as we record this uh, at the end of April, uh, what's the status of ridership and those kind of things?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, obviously, we were hit just like every transit agency in the U.S. I would say like every transit agency in the world, right? Right. We didn't stop just like every other transit agency. We saw how essential we were and how we were needed to allow people to function during this very, very difficult time. So obviously, lots of frontline workers who are coming in every day. Uh, and we saw our ridership go down uh, tremendously. Uh, you know, some would say a downward spiral that just really felt <laughs> it, 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 was, it was, you know, obviously uh, very shocking to all of us. Uh, I never thought that part of my job here would be to ask customers not to use us. But that's exactly what we were doing, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. And so we saw ridership decline uh, 98% on our, um, you know, regional rail lines. Uh, We saw it go as low as 90% uh, on our buses, on our subways, on our um, trolleys at some point. Um, They have come back. It's been incremental. Uh, so right now, we, we hover around 35% on our transit, and those are our trolleys, our buses, our subways, and uh, it's still starting to come up. I'd say it's, it's, it's getting closer to 40% uh, of what it was uh, before the pandemic, but our commuter rails, our, our, our regional rail is still, um, it's around 10%, 15% now, and again, slowly, incrementally um, coming up. Our regional rail riders are our riders um, for the most part that have other options, that have the option to work from home, that have the option to flex schedules. Maybe they only need to come in one day a week, where before they were coming in five days a week. Um, Our transit riders are more more, um, transit dependent. Um, You know, know, many people, uh, a third of Philadelphians, don't own cars. Uh, Often, you know, I always say, and, and others say it as well. Philadelphia works because of SEPTA. We are very densely populated. Um, the business area is very dense, and large employers count on us to get their uh, employees into their offices. And so, we're working very closely with the large employers with their return to office work to make sure that we're there to fully support their recovery, as well as ours. And uh, you know, we're we're you know we're looking toward to what we need to be for the future. Just like every transit agency, we are asking ourselves every single thing that we do. Is this still the way that we need to do it? And do we need to do it? Because, you know, the world has changed.
0: So what are the answers you're coming up with?
1: Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I am a planner. That's my background. I was the first planner, uh, to lead PennDOT and I'm the first planner in a long time to lead, uh, to lead SEPTA. And so when I came in, even before the pandemic, I knew that I wanted to do a full, far-reaching uh, strategic plan here, just to get everybody, you know, to ask everybody, you know, what, why do they come into work every day? What is it that we should be working on together? And how do we, how do we all work together? Um, all transit agencies, you know, you have you have so many different jobs here, right? You have your frontline workers, you have your office and your your management workers, you have all the different modes, and they can be very separate. And uh, so I just wanted to make sure, again, that we were communicating in the best way that we could. So we went out and we started that strategic planning. We got hit by the pandemic and it made it even more important for us to finish that process. So we asked all of our employees, we worked with our board um, and we put forward a a mission. And uh, I think uh, the timing could not have been better. So I felt very good that we had started that. And so we put forward our mission and that is that, um, you know, SEPTA moves the Southeastern Pennsylvania region forward by providing safe, reliable, and accessible mobility choices for everyone. Really important for us that diversity and inclusion were built into that, not not only internally, uh, for people who work here at SEPTA, but also for the communities we serve. And, uh, and we have seen that, you know, uh, you know, rise right right now with all the civil unrest and everything that's going on while it had always been going on um it's being spoken about and it ha- it's in the forefront in a way that it has not before and we're we're happy about that and uh so we're so we're util- utilizing that as well and so then we also talked about you know why are we here together um and what are we working on and so we all decided also you know that we support equity and we enhance quality of life by connecting people with opportunity, catalyzing the economy, and sustaining our environment. So we put that together. We got everybody on board um, so we can all work together on those issues. And no matter what you do here at SEPTA, that's what we do together. Whether you're a mechanic, whether you work in our accounts payable, whether you operate one of our buses... Um, we are all working together uh, to help the economy to sustain our environment and obviously to connect people and provide them with opportunity. And so that's been really helpful in guiding us and reevaluating uh, how we do business and what SEPTA needs to be uh, for this economy, for the region's recovery and for the people we serve uh, moving forward.
0: And have you come up with any um um, new approaches uh, of your actual service delivery. In other words, you know, some people are saying, well, the commuter rail isn't going to come back with a high AM and PM peaks anymore. Maybe we should do try some night work or weekend and get people into the town for ball games and the nightlife or yeah. whatever. Are you, are you all looking at anything like that?
1: Absolutely. Another main theme that came out of the, uh, um, our uh, strategic planning, uh, which is called septa forward is um is moving toward a lifestyle network service. And so that is moving away from the peak times. Uh, I don't think we're gonna see the commuter peak times like we, like we saw before, and it's gonna be very uh, flexible. And uh, we want people to use our service throughout the day. And that's what we saw during the pandemic as well. I mean, the pandemic was very eye-opening for how people who need us use us. And, uh, you know, they need to pick up prescriptions, they need to take care of elderly relatives, they need to take care of their children, Uh, they need to run to the supermarket, Uh, they need uh, to to, to do errands to get to their medical appointments. And these are throughout the day, these are not just from, you know, 7.30 in the morning to 9.30 in the morning, and then again, you know, from 4.30 to 6.30. And and the accessibility issue, uh, while very important for those with disabilities, Um, but also important for those traveling with strollers who have groceries, who have packages. Um, You know, I've pretty much stopped using my car um, on a regular basis, and it has made me rethink how I get around. I moved into Philadelphia during the pandemic. I didn't live that far away. I lived about 25 minutes away, but I moved from Montgomery County to Philadelphia. Uh, Obviously, I'm a SEPTA rider uh, on a regular basis, but Now I rethink, you know, what is it that I need to carry with me? What do I need to bring with me? I mean, these are different ways that commuters, obviously, everyone using our system is already aware of it, but it's really important uh, for me to remind myself that these are questions uh, that we have. And then also giving more real-time information uh, to our riders. And so now we're investing, while we were investing before, we were able to accelerate you know, getting um, APCs, passenger counters, and all, of you know, and more of our vehicles. Uh, We had some of them, but not um, widespread throughout uh, the system, so that we can give people real-time information um, on how crowded, you know, all of a sudden now social distancing is an issue where it wasn't before, and so we want to make sure that we give everyone as many Um, data points as we can, share with them all the information that we can, and so that they can make intelligent decisions on how they want to get to where they need to go, uh, what the options are, what those options will cost. And we want to be their transportation of choice. I mean, we are a business here and we need to win back riders and uh, we need to win back riders who have other choices. And so we still need to be the best uh, transit agency uh, that we can be.
0: That's great. Anything else you want to tell us about your future plans?
1: Um, Just, you know, just that we're real excited. uh, I think it's allowing people um, what we call our Septa spirit, you know, how we've always focused on results. But we also want to make sure that we're listening uh, to our customers, to our employees, that we're being inclusive in everything that we that we do, that we find solutions together. And definitely to aim higher, you know, I'm always saying uh, to our employees, hey, let's get 1% better every single day. You know, That's change crazy. is incremental yes. and it is slow. Yep. And, but you all have to work together for it. And especially now where flex schedules are going to become a, a, a thing a normal thing in the business community, we also have to compete um, to retain our employees. We want SEPTA to be one of the best, if not the best place to work here in the region, And so we really need uh, to work on uh, employee um, satisfaction as well and make sure employees are part of it. So we're, you know, we're really excited of it. Of course, safety is always first in everything that we do, but it is a new way and it is very people focused. I would say that's the main difference. Mm -hmm. Not that we weren't people focused before, but we're doing it in an intentional way um, that that I know it feels different to me and I hope it feels different to everyone. The works and and uses septa as well
0: that's great all right before we end i'd, I'd like to do like a little lightning round with our with our oh. guest, and that is to ask you a little bit about yourself so people can get to know you like you know what books you're listening to what music uh you know do you have any hobbies what pets those kind of things so do you mind if i do a lightning round with you
1: go ahead i'll do my all best
0: right. okay <laughs> so do you have any hobbies what do you do outside of work
1: I do. Uh, so I've just started golfing. I will say my last job at PennDot and this one here at SEPTA has really killed any golf momentum that I had. <laughs> but I am working on it. The pandemic has, has, has helped uh, and I, I've always loved hiking. Um, I don't bike enough, but when I have the opportunity I do I do that as well. I just love being outside. Uh, I, I, I would add kayaking with that as well when I get the opportunity.
0: Very good. Yeah. My wife and I picked up golfing a lot over the pandemic because it was like the only thing you could do during a lot of itself. I know.
1: I yeah, love being outside and the environmental engineering firm I work for, they did some golf design work. And so oh, cool. I'm not a really great golfer, but I can tell you all the wetlands uh, <laughs> and, how, and how we're doing with stormwater runoff as we go through a golf, uh, a golf course. That's
0: great. And what music do you like to listen to? What type of music?
1: Uh, I have a variety of music. My kids introduced me to a lot. I'm a huge uh, Eric Clapton fan. I would say he's uh, always, he's been a favorite for a really long, a really long time. But uh, look, I like Pink. I like a lot of the new women artists um, uh, very much. And uh, so Open, open to a lot. I, I, will admit, I was exercising most recently to Lizzo. That was, that was um, get, <laughs> okay. getting my heart going. Uh, there you go. Uh, but I love music. I love having a soundtrack. I, I always joke like, what's my soundtrack today? What, you know? So um, yeah, yeah, that's great. it's great. It's fun. Music's a big about, part of my life. I'm looking forward to concerts again.
0: Me too. I know, absolutely. And what about uh, one of the best concerts I got? I don't know if you were a U two fan, but I got to go to their Joshua Tree. Uh, at the beginning of this podcast, actually, it was my, uh, it was my very first interview and it was up in Rochester, New York with the CEO there who, uh, turned into a buddy of mine. And so I worked it out so I could go to the, uh, you know, the night before go to the concert and then interview him the next day in person. So that was fun. Well,
1: I was at the original Joshua Tree you 2 at the Worcester Centrum in 1988. And I remember that concert, one of my favorites. And I also went to the reunion tour. One of my favorite concerts of all life. Uh, I'll never forget. They kept the lights on the entire concert. They never dimmed the lights. Wow. And, uh, and they opened up with Stand By You. Uh, and, uh, and it just, the energy was amazing. Yeah, one That's of the phenomenal. best concerts of my, of my lifetime.
0: That's great. What about pets? Do you have any pets?
1: Uh, we do. Uh, we rescued a dog uh, during the pandemic. Her name is Bodie. She's a Husky mix. Um, we've always had dogs, unfortunately, also during the pandemic, um, we, we, uh one, uh, one of our dogs we had to put down, um, she had cancer, we had her for 14 years. Uh, her name wow. was Latka and she was just wonderful. So all of our kids grew up and was a big part of our family and big hole. Um, you know, when, uh, she passed and, uh, we were very fortunate and, uh, we got matched with, uh, with Bodie, who is amazing. Uh, in fact, we we she's only been with us a little over two months now, so we're still learning her personality. Very shy. She's uh she had a tough beginning. She was found in Mississippi, tied to a tree, abandoned, and emaciated. Oh man! And uh, wow. so we're very happy to have her here. And uh, she's a wonderful. She's a great dog.
0: That's great. Last one is uh, any books in the last year that have really inspired you uh, that you could share with us.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a book that we read as part of our open book series here at uh, SEPTA, and that was Small Great Things by Jody Picoult. We actually had a discussion. It, it, it deals with a lot of complex, difficult uh, racial equity issues and allowed us to talk about it in a safe environment. Um, so it was very, really, much, really enjoyed that book. I'm reading, uh, rereading, I should say, A Prayer for the City, Uh, which is a a book about um, Philadelphia uh, a few mayoral administrations ago when Ed Rendell uh, was mayor, where we dealt with a lot of issues we're dealing with right now, uh, vulnerable population challenges, drug addiction, uh, homelessness, as well as uh, mental health issues, uh, union issues and how they were able to turn uh, Philadelphia around. Um, I, I I thought at times I just needed to uh, reconnect with that. And yeah. uh, so, so reading that one as well right now.
0: Well, maybe that leads to a last kind of like philosophical question then. Uh, and that is, what do you think the future is for cities in America? Uh, you know, there's been a lot of people leaving some of the big cities like New York during the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see a resurgence of them? And if so, how soon? That kind of a thing.
1: I absolutely do. Look, I'm really optimistic. Of course, you're talking to someone who's very biased. I moved into Philadelphia (laughs) during the pandemic. Not a lot of people would have done that. Um, Not a lot of people did do that. Uh, But I just love, I love a city. And uh, I am really um, heartened by all of the outdoor dining that I'm seeing. Uh, especially now as the weather's getting nicer, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed uh, my travel when I've gone to Copenhagen, when I've gone uh, to Melbourne, Australia, and you yeah. see outdoor dining all year round, you see obviously great mass transit also, and you see, um, you know, pedestrian, um, you know, travel, uh, very safe, and people doing it in, in, in large ways, you see bicycle travel the same way. And and then you see mass transit as well as uh, vehicular travel. And I think if we, if we look back and if we're honest of what we've learned on the pandemic is that we can be more like these world-class cities that are always at the top rated. And when you look at livable cities, what do people like, what do they like on their quality of life? People like walkability, people like uh, to be able to access um, restaurants and food and culture and other things. Um, and and you do all that in a city, and so I am very optimistic of what our cities are going to look like. I think they will look uh, different. I hope they're less vehicle centered. I truly do. I hope parking becomes uh, less of a of an issue because people are willing to to travel with other options. Um, obviously, lighten congestion, clear our air. Um, but I but I do think um, cities will always have uh, a great attraction, and uh, I, I'm living proof of that.
0: There you go. Well, thank you, Leslie Richards, General Manager of the nation's sixth largest transit system, SEPTA in Philadelphia, for being our guest today. What an amazing career, and what uh, what a great vision you have to take this transit system to the to the next level and to the next step of its future development. We look forward to continuing to watch how you how you uh, lead this agency into the future with equity, and inclusion, and uh, the right mix of new service offerings that mm-hmm. will help people come out of uh, the the pandemic with um, better mobility options to all of life's opportunities.
1: Absolutely. look forward uh, to catching up with you again and letting you know how we're doing. Thank you. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.